0: Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing, I'm Peter Switzer, thanks for joining us on another troubling day for the stock market. And on the program tonight we have Raymond Chan, he'll discuss that fair value for the Australian stock market is actually over 7,000. And his thoughts on shares well, you know, we ask the question, is it going to be a correction or is it, is, is, is this a buying opportunity or is it something a lot worse? And then we have Ron Shamgar who discusses whether inflation will actually hit 7% by the end of the year and what it actually means for stocks. Um, that's a really important issue. If inflation comes off the boil. Over the course of the next three to four months, the stock market will have a different attitude because it'll mean that the fears around interest rates could be brought down a notch or two, and that will be good for stocks. Now, before we go to our first guest, uh, Shane Oliver sent over a really interesting piece, which I'd like to share with you. And he says that share markets have fallen sharply in recent weeks, which we're all aware about, continuing the plunge that started earlier this year due to worries around inflation, monetary uh, tightening, that there's you know, higher interest rates, recession, and geopolitical issues such as the Ukraine war. Now, he says it's still too early to say um, whether markets have bottomed, And he also says that uh, it clearly have an impact on everyone's superannuation. And he says the key things for investors to bear in mind are that share market pullbacks are actually healthy and very normal. in in the absence of a a recession, a deep one, and long bear market situations. Uh, And he thinks this is going to be avoided. He doesn't think a recession is... uh, a high chance, he, he, he sees it as, I think, 50-50, but he doesn't think it's wise for people to naturally presume a recession's coming. And this, um, is this bear market that we're seeing in the US necessarily comes here and becomes a real troubling situation for us. And he makes the point that uh, a problem happens when you sell um, into a falling market and then when it rebounds, you've actually you know lost out twice. You've lost when you've sold out uh, at, at a low point. And then when it rebounds, so he says, be very, very careful about your attitude right now. Not be, Don't be affected by uh, the short-term effects of this correction, which it is for our market, a bear market in the US. But it's a correction here. So just take it in your stride and recognize that there's probably been an, an over. Uh, excessive reaction to the prospect of higher interest rates. Races can go higher, but at the moment, the market is kind of presuming that Jerome Powell, the head of the Fed, and um, Dr. Phil Lowe here are a pair of knuckleheads who will really muck up raising interest rates and end up with a recession. At this point in time, I'm giving these guys the benefit of the doubt and keeping my fingers crossed that they actually do uh, manage this interest rate uh, rise cycle effectively without getting a recession. Anyway, let's hope so. That's right. Let's go to our next guest. By the way, I'm on the way home now um, to Australia from my overseas trip, and uh, I'll be back in the studio on Thursday. Thanks for joining us. And now let's go to our first guest.
1: An interesting market today, notwithstanding the fact that it's a Monday, plus it's a day before a US public holiday. But uh, let's have a look at the winners and losers. I want to start with the losers because the market finished down 0.6 of 1%. And interestingly enough, they're all in the resources column, right? Materials and energy. I guess that tells us something as we get increasing talk about a recession, uh, people are starting to worry about what that might mean for the outlook for commodity prices. But I think it's also a function today, a little bit, because we are getting towards the end of the year. There are some great profits in terms of the materials companies, the BHPs and the Rio's and the Woodside's, and maybe a little bit of profit taking. So BHP down 5%, Woodside do, Rio down almost 5%, and Fortescue 8.4%. Then the Energy side, Woodside and Santos both off 5%, and then South32 down 2.4%. There were some other losers as well, but that's what really accounted for today's losses. Let's go to the, uh, on the winner's side, and this is more representative of perhaps of the sectors that haven't been doing so well and, and, and are perhaps a little more defensive in nature. So Transurban is probably the odd one out there. It responded in, to, in terms of a, a better than expected uh, half yearly distribution. That says, I guess, something about the confidence with which they're looking at their business going forward. But some of the beaten up tech stocks, zero up 3.0%. Some of the retailing stocks in uh, JB Hi-Fi up 4%, Westfarm was also with a good gain of 3%. And then healthcare, CSL up 2.8%, and then finally most of the banks were also higher. So the stocks did a pretty tough last week, the last couple of weeks, we saw a bit of bottom fishing in those, and and people were buying some of the more uh, beaten up stocks and selling in the resources. And I wonder if that's gonna continue in the next couple of weeks as we get to that all important 30th of June uh, on Thursday week. But remember, no, no, no leads tonight because uh, no a holiday in the United States, and I guess we're going to see a fairly subdued market for the next couple of days. Coming up, Raymond Chan from Morgan's joins us. According to my next guest, fair value for the Australian stock market is over 7,000. Joining me now to discuss that, plus to share his thoughts on whether this is a correction is still a buying opportunity, I'm joined by the head of the Asian desk at Morgan's, Raymond Chan. Raymond, welcome to the program. Hi, Paul. Thanks for the invitation. Oh, great to see you again. Now, I'd like to uh, really put you on the spot here, but we are undergoing a correction, and I think the, the question many investors have is, Is this, has the trend changed? Is it, we in a bear market in Australia yet or are we still a market where you buy the dips?
2: A very good question. You know, uh, the US has entered into the bear market and the Hong Kong stock market entered the bear market about about one and a half year ago. Um, And us, uh, we're still in a correction territory. We're yet to be in a a bear market. Uh, By definition, we need the market to go down for 20% uh, before calling it as a bear market. But, you know, when we look at the market, you know, uh, with the, the price action on a daily basis, you know, we wouldn't hold our
1: breath, you know, uh, sooner or later,
2: we may also enter into a bear market.
1: So uh, if, if we're not in a bear market and maybe there's some buy the dip at the moment, where do you see the best opportunities for, uh, for investors? So sure. I think we have to uh, go back to, you know, uh,
2: the, the market correction and the bear market uh, and, and to realize where, where the opportunity is. Uh, the first thing is the, the market, the stock market, correct every few years. So it's no surprise, you know, uh, when I first joined the industry, we have, you know, very good run in you know, the technology sector. And then in early 2000, there's a tech wreck. Um, and of course, we have the GFC and then, you know, we have the European banking crisis. We have the COVID hit and now we have, you know, what you what call, you know, the central bank induced uh, correction here. Um, in terms of opportunity, I, I like to stick with uh, quality stocks mm-hmm. uh, because one of the things I do look at is, yes, we have seen meaningful correction uh, in growth stocks. Uh, however, if we go back to the past 20 years, Twenty years, uh, yes. Growth growth stocks should demand a premium PE than the value stocks. However, you know, uh, despite you know the correction that we've seen in the growth stocks since pretty much uh, the beginning of the year, uh, growth stocks still trading at quite a high premium to the value stocks. So to get that down to the historical historical average. We, we still see some downside risk on the growth stock. That's why Paul, to answer your question, I can continue to see uh, value stocks, you know, the, the like of, you know, the the Lottery Corporation, mm-hmm. MCOR, that, you know, MCOR is specifically the one that I've been talking about on the Swiss TV for a few times. Uh, I can still see those stocks are uh, doing well, uh, you know, in the face of uh, a very challenging stock market environment.
1: Yeah. And are there, um, so w- w- where do the banks sort of fit in that analysis? Because they're not really value stocks, they're certainly not growth stocks. So um, I guess they're somewhere in between value and growth, I guess. But um, they've been hit harder, particularly over the last couple of weeks, as the market, I guess, suddenly realized that higher interest rates aren't necessarily a good thing for banks. They can actually be a bad thing for banks because um, they might lead to higher debts. But, um, but you know, where, where do you sort of see the banks sort of fitting in that? Uh, you know, sort of analysis that maybe you know they had, the growth stocks have got to come back a bit more still.
2: Yeah, uh, when we look at the, the banks, I mean, the first thing you know we all have to realize is all the banks are getting very, very cheap funding mm-hmm. from you know from from, from the Reserve Bank T, uh, uh, TFF. So at a very low interest rate that is you know rolling off. So if we look at all the presentations from the big four bank, they are. They are all talking about they need to repay this money over the next two years. Yep. Uh, so that of course would require them to, uh, I guess, to, to look for other fundings for the balance but for the balance sheet. Yes. And with the banks as an investment, I always think, uh, I guess since about two years ago, I really think hard about the banks. The first thing is, you know, I, I do not want to overweight bank because of the all the structural changes in yep. the in the bank, in the in the finance sector. But second of all, with the existing bank that we hold, my mentality is, I would like to hold for yield. I know, you know, there's some talk out there already, you know, the the payout ratio will will be cut, you know, there's issue about the property market, potential downside risk there. There's a lot of talk. However, I still think, even with a potential cut in dividend, uh, I think the bank uh, will still pay a pretty good income and the way i look at it if the bank can still generate around five percent income uh, per annum uh, and i would just hold uh a, a, as a part of the portfolio that i don't look for growth bank can growth yeah. that that is the reality of life and how the like of bank generate their earnings they're cutting down on the cost uh, westpac has a big plan talking about cutting down mm-hmm. costs big time and they sort of you know on track to achieving that in the last result that's why the share price bounces back, and before today's downfall, sure. in very short term, I, I, I certainly see value in bank. Um, and you know, for those who already hold banks, um, you know, for yield, if this is the purpose, they should continue to hold on to on hold on to the banks.
1: Yeah. So I think what you're saying is that um, look, don't necessarily go overweight, but just sort of stay basically market weight. If uh, you're long term holder, happy with the income, not, you know, things aren't going to get that bad. And you know, by and way. You know, there's a lot of bad talk out there, but the banks are still writing back provisions, so we're a long way from uh, seeing any uh, changes in the income side. Okay, so that's banks now, but but overall, your your, your thesis is, I, I, and I appreciate the, the hesitation that you know we're sort of in this correction and we're getting all these pressures from the United States, and you think growth stocks need to come back a bit, but I, I read some research from you guys that said that fair value for the Australian market was. Uh, over 7,000, right? And we're currently, you know, six, six and a half a half,ish or six, six, six. So, you know, do you want to just explain what you mean by fair value for the Australian market and what you think that means in terms, in the medium term for our, our market? Absolutely. Our, stage,
2: uh, our stages had come up with a fair value. How do they, how does he come up with a fair value? It's a combination of factors that include a forward earning, um, estimate. Remember, this forward earning estimate is not just Morgans, it's the market, it's the whole market. And then, of course, it's the 10-year bond yields and the credit spread, a number of factors. And what happened since the beginning of the year, despite the ASX200 reached a record, well, sort of a record high, closer record high, because the record high was last year.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, The fair value continued to go downgrade because of the lower earning estimate. However, what happened now is after a series of downgrade lately, especially over the past two weeks, uh, we, see, we see the fair value, you know, stabling around the 7,100 uh, mark. Uh, as of today, of course, you know, it is well below 7,000. The reason why the fair value failed to downgrade further, I have to, you know, explain it a little bit further, it's because of credit spread. What do I mean by that is, there, there's, there, Everyone know that the, globally, all the government bond yields are shooting higher. This yeah. means people are selling down the government bonds, but this money in, for now, they are all going into the corporate bond. So the credit spread, which is different between the investment grade bond and the junk bond, are at a level that is not worsening. In fact, it's improving. Money are not, The money are not leaving the bond market. As a a result of the in the credit spread, we see a stabilisation of fair value. However, the market, we saw what happened last week, you know, we have a massive sell-off on the back of, you know, the Federal Reserve action. Uh, The market overshoot on the downside. That result in, you know, the market being something like at least 450 points below our fair value. Uh, for us in a very short term, that create value for the long term investor. So that's how we see the uh, fair value. The fair value will continue to change. And the biggest change, uh, Paul, I will see is in the upcoming reporting season Uh, that will, you know, in a couple of months time. But for now, we are happy to, you know, we're happy with our fair value around 7100 points and we think the market in short term is oversold.
1: So um, once we get through tax loss selling in, uh, in June, which we're probably getting towards the end of, uh, and we start rolling into earnings season and some of the influences maybe from the US uh, settle down a little bit, uh, you're a little more confident in terms of the, in the, sh- the short to medium term outlook for the market. Is that a, is that a fair synopsis, uh, Raymond?
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fair, uh, uh, if we, you know, look at the seasonality as well, you know, the second half of the year tend to be, you know, better than the first half. And also just a quick word on the tax loss selling. Yeah. Uh, as we know, you know uh, June is the end of financial year, but also happened with the funds management industry yeah. is the funds manager have to open up their book to show people what are their holdings. That is the reason if this, you know, loser in the portfolio defense the manager may not want to let the investor know. Yeah. Uh, so they may just you know, clean out those loser and potentially buy back, you know, in, in, in the, at, at the beginning of the financial year. Uh, that's why we see the weak stocks tend to uh, uh, perform worse. Uh, however, we also look at the seasonality of the text stock selling, uh, it actually getting earlier and earlier. Uh, instead of wait till the last week or the last day of the financial year, the uh, the peak of the tax loss selling actually happened last week. So the middle of June, people tend to position a little bit earlier. Not sure if, you know, the same logic will follow for uh, this financial year though.
1: Well, it's a really interesting point. And though I call it tax loss selling, you're absolutely right. It, uh, that's probably a small part of it. It's more the fund managers, as you say, uh, really clearing out their portfolios has a bigger impact. And as you say, the, the weaker stocks get weaker and the stronger stocks, the money flows back in there. So could be an interesting reversal uh, as we move into July. We'll see whether you're right. So uh, we'll put you down for that. And um, let's see some of those weak stocks have a, a positive start to July. So thanks for joining us, Raymond. Thanks for joining us on Switch. Great to have you on the program. Last week, the Reserve Bank Governor implied that inflation might hit 7% by the end of the year. To tell us what he thinks, whether that's going to happen and what that means for stocks, plus some stocks that could benefit from higher interest rates and a couple of takeover targets, I'm joined by Ron Shamgar, the Head of Australian Equities at Tamman Asset Management. Ron, welcome to the program.
3: Thanks for having me. Now, How are you doing? Now,
1: last week the uh, Reserve Bank governor came out and said that uh, he said that inflation perhaps could get to seven percent um, by the end of the year. That was probably a little bit higher than many in the market were talking about because earlier we'd seen sort of six percent, and the, the last CBI figure was it was less than that. Uh, do you think a seven percent is achievable? And b, you know, what's your reaction to that? Has that changed your outlook and the way you're thinking about markets at the moment?
3: Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, there's, there's no doubt that the outlook for the Australian economy has changed dramatically over the last week. Um, I think, um, you know, even though our inflation rate in Australia is below 7% at the moment, I think we're seeing the US, um, you know, inflation numbers sort of hitting 8.6% um, a couple of weeks ago. And I think there's no doubt that if, if you look at what's happening uh, in Australia, we've had, um, uh, you know, minimum wage growth. Uh, we've had, um, you know, essentially a, an energy uh, crisis. Uh, energy bills are going higher. And, and I think we're going to see, I mean, we, we stick to a lot of companies and we see a lot of companies in the market in different industries. And everyone is, is seeing margin pressure and they're all looking to put up their prices over the next few months. So I think we haven't seen inflation sort of peak yet in Australia. And I think we're a little bit behind where the US is. So I think it is quite likely um, that we'll see, uh, you know, inflation uh, go higher. Now, whether it hits 7% or a bit lower, a bit higher, you know, it's anyone's guess. Uh, But there's no doubt that central banks, you know, here in Australia, looking at the US, they really sort of have been behind the curve and they're they're trying to kind of like front load uh, the rate rises uh, so inflation doesn't get out of control. And in fact, I think the market kind of wants that. Mm -hmm. And the market is afraid that central banks won't go uh, quickly enough and inflation does get completely out of control. Uh, And, you know, we've we've said this for a while, but we believe that the current inflationary issues, um, you know, are not going to be solved purely by raising interest rates. You know, raising interest rates will reduce consumer spending. Uh, It will taper credit growth, which is good. But there are other issues in place. We have an energy crisis around the world. We've got the war in Russia and the sanctions on it and then we've got the supply chain issues and then uh, all the the covid zero policies of china which is uh, you know not helping with these supply chain problems and they're not going to be solved by raising rates so i think uh, central banks will need to adjust their sort of medium term target range for inflation but i think they do need to raise rates in the short term uh, just to sort of bring that uh, inflation uh, numbers uh, down and it will probably take a few months to trickle through the economy so you know, rates rise now, but inflation might only start coming down in three months from now.
1: And do you think that we're over the worst but in terms of the, um, the way the share markets reacted to the news out of the States and higher forecasts in Australia? Or do you sense that there's still, because no one has yet sort of got a handle on whether it's peaked or not, um, we, we aren't out of this uh, sort of conundrum yet?
3: Yeah, look, I mean, I definitely think it's going to continue to be volatile for the next uh, three months. I don't think we've seen the bottom yet, but I would say that we're probably a, a bit closer to the bottom than than we are to to mm-hmm. the top. Um, so you know, I, I, we are cautioning. I mean, I don't think that you know, in terms of telling investors just to be caution and, and hold more levels of cash until there's a bit more clarity of uh, you know how much uh, rates will rise uh, and 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 how quickly um, economies fall into recession. Because there's no doubt that. Um, Uh, you know, central banks are essentially uh, putting economies into recession and to slow down inflation. I think, uh, you know, if you look at the markets, you know, the the Australian market is a little bit different. So we've been insulated for a while this calendar year Mm -hmm. in terms of our index because we are very heavily resource uh, weighted. But that's starting to get hit now. And also uh, it's been a lot of sort of small cap and tech stocks being sold off. But now we're seeing the bigger part of the end of the market, especially the big banks and so on, being sold off because I think um, investors are concerned, uh, you know, there's going to be slower credit growth and and higher um, bad debts. So the the banks, uh, although their funding costs improve with higher uh, rates as they can source uh, cheaper uh, funding from uh, deposits, uh, I do think, um, you know, valuations will come down. So, you know, we're seeing maybe an adjustment there in terms of valuations.
1: And one of the strategies that's um, worked very well for a lot of uh, investors, including both retail and I guess potentially I guess, fund managers too, has been you know, a buy-the-dip strategy over the last many, many years. Um, do you think that's changed? Is this still a buy-the-dip market, or do you think a bit more cautions uh, is, is warranted?
3: Yeah, the one sort of um thing that's different this time it's always different this time mm-hmm. uh, but you know if you look back in in history over the last sort of since the GFC we've had um essentially central banks bailing out uh you know the share markets or bailing out uh, so an economy that is slowing down what we have here the exact opposite you know we've got economies that are booming everyone's got a job a yep. job participation rate is at record high here and, and the central banks are actually trying to raise rates and to cool down the, the economy. So I don't see how central banks can actually um, protect investors here. And this is why we're a little bit cautious. Um, I think that, like I said, the, the market is discounting everything that's going to happen over the next sort of three to six months. So obviously, when they announce we hit a recession, markets will be rallying, and that will be the bottom. The question is, well, when will that be? And, and um, yeah, that, that's really the uh, the key here. So I don't think central banks are, are going to, to bail out uh, us this time.
1: Okay. Let's go to sort of uh, look at sort of how you're playing it with some different stocks and different parts of the market. Now, uh, one of the things is obviously not every company is a loser out of higher interest rates. So obviously most do because of uh, cost of borrowing goes up and it potentially slows uh, consumer demand and all sorts of things, but some companies actually win. So uh, who are the companies that can benefit from uh, higher interest rates?
3: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there's actually a few companies that we looked at and they're, they're clear beneficiaries from higher rates, is the companies that essentially hold large amounts of money on behalf of their, their clients, and they get to earn or to keep that interest income from that. Now, obviously, over the last few years, with interest rates being zero, they haven't earned any money on that with rates going higher, they're quite sensitive to their bottom line. So they're, they're probably the, the, the number one beneficiary. And it's actually has performed and held up really well recently is a computer share. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're the share registry business. Everyone knows them. They've got about a, a $25 billion uh, float or, or cash that they hold on behalf of their, their clients uh, with them. And essentially they get to keep that interest rate. Now they've highlighted to the market uh that they get to uh they get for every one percent uh, rate rise uh, it's about a 26 cents eps uh, in terms of us dollars uh, uh benefit to the bottom line and uh, so that's quite material that's uh, you're looking at about uh 25 accretion mm-hmm. on the current yep. uh, consensus forecast so uh just to give you an idea you know if they raise rates by two percent say here and in the us that's an additional five hundred million dollar us of 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 income before tax for computer share so i think we've seen that stock hold up quite well they're probably trading on about 17 times a p next year and they and they pay a dividend so maybe maybe that's a bit of a safe haven stock, they would have been could, if you could say that in this market
1: they probably would have been quite pleased with the dot plot last week that um shows that the governors of. uh the, or at least the members of the Federal Open Market Committee had changed their forecast from about one9 to, I think it was 3.4% uh, in the space of three months, so uh, in terms of the Fed fund rates at the end of the year. So that would have been good. Are there any small caps? Uh, computer shares, I guess, is a big cap stock. Um, are there any small caps that, that come to mind, perhaps in different industries, that you look at in that, in that vein?
3: Yeah, there, there's a couple of stocks that we own, and and, and um I mean, one that, you know, uh, you guys know well, and I spoke about uh, on the previous shows uh, is EML Payments. Mm-hmm. So they're a payments company. They're, they've obviously been sold off aggressively for uh, aggressively for a number of operational issues. And also uh, they've been sort of caught up in that tech sell-off. But they also hold about $2 billion of uh, client funds and they get to keep that interest rate uh, essentially. So um, they will benefit as well. Roughly every 1% rate rise across... Sort of Australia, Europe, uh, and the US uh, will benefit them about $15 million of, of, of EBIT. And that's pretty material considering they'll make about 55 mil uh, EBITDA this year. So they're also a, a beneficiary from that. Um, and, and, and but putting aside they had some operational issues in the business, which is why they've been sold off uh, quite aggressively recently. Uh, the other one that we like and is also um, a beneficiary, is a life insurance business called Clearview Wealth.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, they're also a half a billion dollar business. Um, they've got about a $350 million sort of float uh, um, that they hold on behalf of their uh, policyholders. And um, they get to keep the interest on that. So if the interest rates in Australia go up, by say 2%, that's an additional $6 million of income compared to their profit this year, which will be 25 mil NPAT. So quite material for their profitability. And they're actually also under a strategic review. Their largest shareholder, Crescent Private Equity, is exiting, looking to exit. And it's been going on for a while, but we think there might be um, something happening in the next few weeks and hopefully they'll get taken over.
1: Another thing you were talking about it to me off camera was... Uh around uh, some of the takeover targets. And I guess a lot of companies have been absolutely smashed in some of the selling. Uh, are there any companies you'd like to sort of yeah, float there? Suggest as the sort of companies that share prices have really been knocked down, but uh, you have a great underlying business and must be sort of become on, at least on the radar of private equity and others?
3: Yeah, so there's a couple. The first one um, is Link Administration. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they've, they've been under a, a takeover offer uh, from a Canadian listed software company called Die and Durham. Um, it's essentially uh, an offer that uh, was was worth $5.50 um, in cash to link shareholders. I mean, obviously, with the shares trading where they are today at $3.30 uh, the market essentially doesn't believe that the offer will go ahead. There's a few mm-hmm. issues. Uh, for the offer, there's um, an concerns uh, of, of, the, of Diane Durham owning the 45% uh, PEXA shareholding, the convincing uh, digital platform in Australia, together with their other convening uh, software that they offer uh, that they will be able to have influence on pricing in the market. Um, and then there's uh, other sort of, uh, you know, it's a very highly levered, um financing package for the acquisition. They're sourcing $3.5 billion of debt. Uh, for this deal. And there's risk that that might come apart in this market environment. And so essentially, you know, if you look at the the deal, essentially being priced by the market not to go ahead, but if you look at um, link, it it has sort of three distinct parts to it, you've got it's PEXA holding, which is a PEXA is a listed company, so that the current uh, holding is worth about a $1 billion. And then it's got its fund administration business, Uh, which is really profitable. And it had several offers from other companies at one and a half billion dollars as of recently. So we know these two parts of the business are worth two and a half billion. Now the current market cap of the business is 1.8. And if you add the debt, you're looking at about two and a half billion dollars enterprise value. So that leaves you essentially zero value to the corporate markets and registry business. Uh, that makes about somewhere between 70 to $90 million of EBITDA a year. And it's actually, like computer share, a beneficiary of rising interest rates. So we think that probably there's no longer any um, upside priced into the stock to the takeover. And I think uh, there's value uh, starting to emerge. And it's probably trading on, if you exclude the PEXA holding, then it's trading on about eight times PE for FY23 earnings and it also pays a 4% dividend yield. So we think that's an interesting one um, and uh, worth a look. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. So it's the sum of the past type.
3: The other one, uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yep. And then the other one that's worth a look, and it's actually held up pretty well, and they're having an investor day um, next week um, is uh, Tabcorp. So Mm -hmm. uh, you know they recently demerged its lottery business, and uh, the TapCorp standalone is just a pure wagering and media business. Um, uh, And uh, you know the current enterprise value is around uh, 2.2 billion dollars, and it doesn't have much debt. It makes about maybe 400 million dollars of EBITDA per annum. Uh, Now uh, this financial year has been a tough year for them, obviously with lockdown impacting Mm -hmm. uh, the retail network. Um, but um, you know I think if you, if you look at that business uh, just a year ago uh, you know it received private equity offers um, uh, of about four billion dollars at the time um, significantly higher than the current share price now obviously uh, you know things valuations have changed but I still think it's a valuable business and what's interesting is that um, the, the final dividend this year in August uh, is going to benefit from five months of earnings from the lottery business, so they should be paying investors about a six cents, fully frank dividend at the at the August results, and I think that will provide a really nice uh, downside protection for the business. Now, uh, there's, they're currently bidding, uh, or the one of two final uh, bidders for the Western Australian tab business mm-hmm. that's up for sale. Um, and that would uh, be a credit for them, but they'll also obviously need to borrow money to acquire that. And they also, uh, their Victorian waging license is up for renewal in two years. So uh, I think, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens here. But I think there's a good chance that uh, the stock re rates as we go into the um, August, uh, September dividend. And, um, you know, it's a possible takeover target. And it seemed to have held up quite well in this environment.
1: Okay. Well, thank you for sharing those ideas around both uh, uh, Tap Corp and Link and also the commentary about. Um, stocks that could benefit from higher interest rates. That was Ron Shamgar, the head of Australian equities at Tamman Asset Management.
0: And that's the show for today. Let's just hope that um, the worst case scenario is avoided and the markets eventually start to um, climb higher. I was surprised if it happens this week, We need some really good news and we might just have to watch the economic data flow over the next few weeks before we see a turnaround in this pretty negative sentiment. Uh, If you want to know know more, go to switzerreport.com.au. Thanks for joining us. See you on Thursday.